So at this time, we're going to receive our offering. Ushers are going to come around with the baskets. You don't have to touch those. Or there's boxes at the corners in the room. If you have a paper offering, you can also give digitally. Um, and just want to say how much we appreciate your faithfulness in financially supporting things here. We've had some unexpected expenses in the last few weeks, such as this projector needs to be replaced. It's been going out and some HVAC work, so your generosity is greatly appreciated. Children ages three years through fifth grade that wish to go to Children's Church, you can head out that door. We're dismissing a little earlier today. We're going to have more worship after our conversation. So today, we want to look again at this issue of racial division, pretty relevant topic in our culture right now. I'll be starting a new study uh, through a book of the Bible next week from the, in the book of Haggai. But last week, if you were not with us, I preached through uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse by verse, about how Jesus reconciles us not only to God through his work at the cross, but he reconciles us to one another. That when you have a relationship with Jesus, you see people different. And that he creates one new race. In Christ, we are one new race. He breaks down the wall of hostility. He breaks down the enmity and the strife and the things that want to divide people, whether it's based on race, political uh, convictions, uh, economics, gender, on and on and on it goes, the ways that Satan tries to cause division and strife and hostility. But God comes to bring unity and love and reconciliation and understanding. And so that's what we learned last week. And today we want to tackle this topic by having a dialogue, a conversation. And so I'm so thankful that Jonathan is on part-time staff here as our worship pastor. uh, And he's brought great understanding and just a whole wonderful addition to our staff team and our leadership here. And he's already been a blessing to me and his family, and so, so thankful for them as well. Um, We had a great time in first service. One of the things I didn't do in the first that I want to do now is just pray. Um, He definitely guided us, and this one might go different. We're open to that. So, Holy Spirit, guide this time now. We don't trust in what happened first service. We just come into this with a fresh heart and openness to you to take this where you want it to go, that it would be helpful and beneficial for every individual, but also for us as a church. God, you know our heart. We want to be a more kingdom church. We want to reflect on earth more accurately the kingdom of God that's in heaven. So we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth through living hope as it is in heaven. And we know your kingdom in heaven is composed of every people and tribe and nation and tongue. So we invite you to do that here in a fresh, new, deeper way. Guide this discussion. Help us be open to what you would say. Let it be productive for your kingdom's sake in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jonathan, what stood out to you in last week's message? What spoke to you and kind of as we little review from last week, but as we kind of launched to this week. And by the way, anytime during our conversation, you can text questions. We're not going to do the normal take mics around uh, for obvious reasons. We're going to filter them to make sure that the questions that we address are constructive and helpful. 
I'm not saying you guys would ask any that are not, but I'm just saying we're going to be a little more, we're going to shepherd that a little more carefully today. So you can text questions. If we don't have time to address them after our conversation, uh, we will respond to you individually. So we may respond to you later this afternoon or tomorrow. All righty, good. Um, last week, last week, so I guess we could start there. Um, great message on last week. Um, even something that you said today, and, and before we just dive into all of this and just start indulging into this great um, conversation in God's Word, a pastor just said something. And sometimes we're in church and, or in school or whatever, classes, and things are said, and it's kind of going over your head because your brain is just like on some other things. But hear this, and I want everybody to hear this and really embrace that, that once we become Christians, we are a new culture. We come up under the kingdom culture. We are born again. So the way that we do things is different than the culture that we live in. And if the church, and my belief is this, the answer to the stuff that's going on in the world is a unified church. Mm. A unified church. A unified church will set the, will, should be able to set the temperature for the world. But if we go by their standards and we live by the world standards, uh, Democratic or Republican standards, I mean, trust me, we got to follow the laws. Trust what I'm saying. But our mindset, the way we do things, God has given us a way in his word on how to address these things. So as we go into the conversation, this is our foundation. So, and as God transforms us today, and we, we commit to God's word today, because that's what it's going to take, Pastor. Yeah. Yeah. That commitment to this, yeah. to God's word for us to change. Mm-hmm. All righty? And then we'll go out and do the Great Commission. Mm. <laughs> and we'll go out and show the world how to do it. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. So first question. First question Pastor asked was about last Sunday. One of the first things that, point, that stuck out to me last Sunday in Pastor's sermon was, he said, forgive those who sin against you, Ephesians 4 and 32. That's where we started. And so it stuck out to me because forgiving is easy to say, but hard to do. Sometimes forgiving takes time. So I'll forgive you. I mean, all right, but that takes time. You know, we, 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 this, this stuff that we're talking about today goes for all relationships. I mean, if, you, if you're married and, or if you have children, it can work this way. You can offend your parent or your child, and that child will say, I forgive you, but that process of forgiveness takes time. So we don't need to ignore that. There's been some hard things that's been done on both sides. And today we're kind of focusing on the, the African Americans and, 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 um, and whites because that's where our culture is right now. That's where all the, you know, I mean, but everybody, our Hispanic brothers and our Asian brothers and stuff, we love each other because we're God's children, right? But today we're trying to focus on that. But when we think about the racial stuff between the blacks and whites, it's been bad stuff done on, on, on both sides. Um, and we're going to get into more of that today, but it, we all have to forgive. And how do you do that? It has to come first by being forgiven. Yes. Ephesians 4.32, forgive others as you've been forgiven. Right, right. So, and that's a big thing. We talked about this in the first service is, and, and that, that scripture really helped me in a, a lot of my relationships to help me become a better person. Because God was like, not, not, I forgave you. Who are you 
not to forgive others? What gives you the authority not to forgive others? When I'm always forgiving you. Every day I give you new mercies. Every day I give you new grace. Every time you fall, I, I clean you off and I wash you off. How can you not forgive others? Oh, it brought great conviction under me. But it changed me. So I'm not saying that forgiveness is easy always because I'm not God and I don't have his, 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 his omnipotent power. But I have the command of God to forgive my brothers. And when you do, you live free. Yes. That person still is accountable to God for their sin. Yes. But you get free and have that baggage of bitterness off of you when you do that. Amen. And then you're going to be a, a more effective vessel for God to use you in the world. Exactly. Because if you if you operate in unforgiveness, it's like operating with an injury mm. for an athlete. You know, um, athlete is trying to play and he has a pulled hamstring. So it may be slightly poor, but he's not 100%. Mm. So when, you, when we're operating unforgiveness and you're trying to have these tough conversations, and you're trying to work in your marriage, you're trying to work within in your communities, and you have unforgiveness in your heart, you're not 100%. You're not totally healthy. Yep. So forgiveness helps us approach it. Once we totally forgive and, oper- and live in a spirit of forgiveness, we can actually operate the way that God calls us to do in love. Anything else from last week? Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of stuff from last week, Pastor Man. You know, you are a preaching machine. <laughs> yeah. So, but an- another thing that pointed out to me last week was um, uh, grow in our um, relationships, interpersonal relationships. Be intentional in your interpersonal relationships. That's a big thing. Um, I think if you want to, because the pastor's message last week was on how do we, how do we address the racial issues or how do we address these issues, um, growing in interpersonal relationships, Jesus did this. He went out of his way to go do this, and we should go out of our way to make relationships. What are interpersonal relationships? It's not just, hey, how you doing? But no, it's like really getting to know people. Because when you take the time to get to know somebody, you can understand them better. Amen. I mean, I think that's true. I mean, and it can happen so easy in our society for us not to develop interpersonal relationships. When I grew up, I went to a high school, all African Americans. We um, um, went to college for a little bit, all African American college. Then, that, then God was like, you got to go somewhere else. This, I, for the call that I have in your life is going to mean for you, to, you, you can't just stay in this circle. Not saying that African American colleges are bad, and not saying that African American schools are bad. I'm not saying that. Hear me out. It was the call on my life. And so when I went to, went to a different college, I became, at that moment, I was the only African-American for the first time in my life I ever experienced that only African-American in a room. Everybody else was white. But it was then that time that I started making interpersonal relationships. And the guy that played drums for the band was named Jamie Shepard. Jamie Shepard and I became like best friends during that time in college. And his mom cooked dinner for me and everything. So I was 20 years old before I ever went to a white person's house. Let that sink in for a minute. 20 years. As I started meeting other white people, it was the same thing. They never had made no interpersonal, had any interpersonal relationships with any African Americans. So guess where the information comes from? Media, news, hearsay, uh, um, stereotypical, stereotypes. 
So you think you know a person that's caused of stereotypes that you heard in your community. But what I learned during that time was to, um, to, to judge a man by his heart, by his actions. No matter what color of the skin was. Of course, we heard Martin Luther King's speech all the time in school. We've heard that. But I didn't, until you live that out, you don't know what that is. So you have to live it out. So we had to live that out, and I got a chance to know some really loving people. And, I did, and I'm still getting to know some of the awesome people. You guys are awesome. Mm. And I'm learning to love you so much as a pastor in this mm. church. And I'm hoping you're loving me. Amen. You know what I mean? And so, and I love my pastor. Mm. I, I love Pastor Holt, not only as uh, a co-worker in the, in the labor and the ministry, because we do this together, mm-hmm. but, um, but as a friend. And we've had tough conversations. We talk about some things that we can't even talk about on the stage today. But we have time. We've talked about hard things. But when we finish, Pastor Holt still buy me lunch. You know? <laughs> you know? He's a good guy. And we still love each other. And we'll talk about it. And it's like no grudges. It's not like when I see him in a hall, he's coming down. Or if, he, if I see his number come up on my phone, I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm mad at him. No, because I live in the spirit of forgiveness. And I'm intentional in making a relationship work because it's going to take that kind of stuff to make relationships work. That's what, how, how we bring change. You know, one of the things I appreciate a lot about you is you're, you're so committed to the Word, and I love that. Word and Spirit, that's one of our foundations as a church. Full of the Spirit, allow the Holy Spirit's power and be rooted in the Word. What are some scriptures that for you are really key with this discussion? I'm glad you asked that question because one of the points that you brought out last Sunday was to make sure that it's gospel-centered, that the information that you receive is gospel-centered. You know, if, I, if I'm listening to a, or a person share their heart, I want to believe that that person is a lover of Jesus Christ, that person is giving me their opinion from God's word, God's word. Because if we start giving all, all our opinions, guess what? It's going to be divided. I've been t- I tell you that 100%. But, but this is the common denominator. Amen. His word. You guys agree with that? Yeah. Amen. So, I mean, now, now we agree with it. And I tell you like I tell my students at school, we agree with it, but now live by it. Mm. I challenge you to really live by it. You're going to have to, we have to change. Not you, but me too. All of us have to change. It's a process. It's part of the sanctif- sanctification process mm. to live by God's word. You know, so God's word is a, is a huge thing. So whatever information that you receive, be sure and be careful. Whatever organization you follow and, and things of that nature, make sure they're God-centered. Hear that. Make sure it's God, because if it's not God-centered, it's no in-between. It's either God or the devil. Yep, yep. It's either one. And so if it's not God-centered, then you're following organizations that follow the devil. If you do that, so when you say you want to Pause before I go into scriptures. I see you wanting to say something. Well, Proverbs fourteen twelve says there is a way that seems right unto a man, but its end is the way of death. Yes, Amen. So it can seem right. It can it can appeal to our flesh. It can be what's culturally popular. Yep. But if it's not truth from God, then it's not going to be ultimately helpful. It's not. It's- and Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Yes, he does, and so. In so many ways, oh man, we can have mm-hmm. another conversation on yep. just how he yep. disguises himself, you know. But let's go to the scriptures that I use or some words that I think that's good for me. First Corinthians um, 1 and 10, it says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say 
and that there be no division among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. And I mean, the scripture is so good. And when you read in scripture, I'm telling you, you don't let a word go by without like paying attention to it. Every word counts. It says perfectly united. That's the will of the Lord. And the only way that's going to happen is that we have relationship. It's not going to happen without getting to talk to people, getting to know people. This can't happen. So perfectly united in mind and in in thought. Another scripture that sticks out to me, 2 Corinthians 13 and 11. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Try for full restoration. Try for full restoration. Go after full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Now, this sounds a lot different than what you hear on media, right? And what you, you never hear nothing like this on the news. But if that's where your information is coming from, it's not God-centered. So it's going to have you feeling in a certain kind of way. I'm telling you, it'll get your soul, your, it'll have your emotions in a roar. It's part of the, the disguise of Satan. I'm, I'm just, I mean, it's real. Are, are, do they present some facts? Yes. But we always have to bring it back to here. As Christians, again, remember what we said at the beginning. We're kingdom citizens. But we have to bring it back to God's word. So Acts 4 and 32. All the believers, now this is the church, okay? Before you, when you read Acts, this is the New Testament church. We know pastor preached on the whole book of Acts. He shared that. So we have to, this is how the church, this is how we should operate. All right? All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their uh, possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. That's family. That sounds like family to me. That's God's family. That's how we should do things. Um, nobody selfish. It's not about me. It's not my own stuff. If I got it, you got it. My brothers, I got two brothers. I mean, I can call those guys. And my brother called me, if I have it, he needs something. If I got it, he's got it. You know, in his same way. But those are my biological brothers. But in the, in the body of Christ, should we not be the same? Yeah, we're family. The church family. Church family. That's how we should be. We should be the same. Um, Ephesians 4, 23. This is a good one. I didn't share this one last service, but this is a good one. It's, and it's real short. It's to the point. It says, to be made new in attitude of your minds. So powerful. Just a few words. If you want to be made new, so, and so God can change you with the attitude of your, the way you think, transforming us on the way we think. He can change it if you want it. The key is, do you want it? Because we could always come up with this, and we could come up with that, and complain about this. And, but do we want to be made new? Yeah, amen. Amen? And that, that's, that's good. That's good stuff. And then Galatians 3 and 28, it's covered in the Word. This is God's will. Um, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen. We are all one in Christ Jesus. So that's I mean, our spiritual identity. Yes. And one of the things that I've appreciated so much about you, and we've had these conversations, you've always brought it back to our, your identity in Christ and getting your identity from 
who you are in God, what he says about you, more than the externals. Yes, and then we stay in that identity. When you know who you are, that gives you a level of confidence, a level of security. You know, you know not only who you are, but who, whose you are. Hmm. Say that again. Not, not only, only who you are, but whose you are. Who do you belong to? Man, I, I'm telling you right now, people, if I had a choice, and I'm going to tell you, if you really look at it, if you have a choice, do I want to belong to uh, uh, a Democratic Party or a Republican Party, or do I want to belong to the Kingdom or Kingdom Party? Mm. Do I want to belong to the party when the, the, this king or this party right here, he's created everything? Jesus said, my <laughs> kingdom is not of this world. Or not of this world. I want to be on that side. I want to be on that side. So do we have things we have to live through? Yeah, that's, that's, that, that, that's practical stuff. We have to live here. But we have to establish this kingdom on earth. That's what our job is. So when that, that means establishing his ways, his mindset, the way he does things. So we have to go God's way. Um, and I believe that with all my heart. If we do it God's way, if the church really stands up, a unified church, as I said in the beginning, and begin to do things God's way, man, I'm telling you, living hope can change Athens. Like, I'm t just us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If we came together, Jesus changed the whole world with 12. Mm. If all of us really came together in God's way, man, we could create a different kind of atmosphere in this city. And that, I believe that with all my heart. All right, we're going to start. Let's just get a little more uh, into the current stuff going on. Um, I think this is a really important question um, for whites to understand what, what has it been like for an African-American in the last few months with all that's been going on? Because the Bible says that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. It says in Philippians 2, we are to regard the other as more important than ourselves. And like when I have, when my wife is hurting, I think one of the best questions I can ask her is, help me understand what you're feeling right now. Because I don't know. I'm not you. I mean, I don't, I'm not a woman. And so what, what are you going through right now? You know, maybe she's in a time of, of hormonal issues or whatever. And so I've, I've often found that helpful in a marriage. Help me understand what you're feeling right now. And I think with, with all the tension that's going on, what, help us enter into what it's like for African Americans right now. And I know you, and you said in the early service, you can't speak for all, and that, we get that. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but we myself. can learn yeah. from your experience and what you know from your interactions. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you asking the question. And Pastor didn't just just asked me this question because we're up here. I want to say that before I start. He's asking me this question like he'll call me, Jonathan, how are you doing? How are things feeling for you? When we have our meetings, we meet once every other week, and he'll, he will ask a question, how are you? I wanted to say that because I want to, I want to let you know that he's concerned. And when he said just for me, it's just not for me, but he's concerned for God's people. And, and when you become a pastor and you become God's a shepherd, you learn to love what God loves, and God loves his people. I don't care what color the skin Amen. is. God loves his people. And so we have a good pastor that's concerned. All right? So um, answering this question is, um, is, is challenging for me. It's not easy, but I will share it because when you, 
sitting on this stage right here and saying this kind of stuff, it makes you, you have to be very transparent. You have to be very vulnerable. You don't know how people are going to respond. You know, all of those type of things happen. But God, to God be the glory. Amen. You know, because we do it for him. Yeah. All right? So, um, as an African-American, what I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing within my home or what I'm experiencing within my circle, the type of things that I've heard, um, I can share that. I can, and again, like I said to the other service, do not, our society is like, when it comes down to people, it's like, ugh, it gets to me because if somebody says something about African-Americans, then everybody will say, or somebody says something about whites, then if one person, if pastor says something about whites, then everybody, a lot of people can start saying, well, all whites feel that way. Yeah. Or every time you see a white person, they feel that way. So if I say this about African-Americans, don't think they're all African-Americans. Every time you see an African-American, oh, they're that way, they're that way. No, don't fall for that trap. Mm -hmm. That's a bait. Yeah. And every time you bite it, you fall into the enemy's way. Every time you take it, you get on his hook, all right? Yeah. So, so, so I want to share this. I want to share what my experiences was, what I've heard from people say in, in, in my circles. First of all, um, African-Americans right now, for me, having to explain what's happening on the in media, the things that have happened, explain that to my children. That was tough. For all three of my children who are young, are young adults to come to me and, and like, Dad, why is it this way? Mm. They come to me and their mother, like, why is it this way? Why are things happening to African Americans? It seems like in this country, African Americans are not treated the same as everybody else. Um, why is that? You know, um, for them to come in and, and, and say, can we still, my, my baby girl, um, um, just come to say, Dad, can I still have white friends? Mm. That, that's like, even to say it again, I, every time I say that, that's gut-wrenching. For my girl to look me in, in my eyes with tears in her eyes and say, can she still have white friends? And we've always, my wife and I have prided our, made pride to make sure that our children are, are in multicultural environments because that's the world. So we wanted them to be, have that experience. And so for her to come to me and say, can I still have white friends? That wasn't an easy question to answer. You know, I know what the answer is, yes, you can. But to hear her have to ask that, I thought when I was a kid and when I came up and everything, we wouldn't have to have these conversations anymore. No, I went and got education. I worked hard. I married an educated woman, God-fearing woman. We did our part. We were thinking that when we become adults, we'll never have to have these conversations with our children. But that's extremely difficult to be able to deal with that during this time. And so when, when she, so she asked that question, so when she asked that question, I have to encourage my kids to trust God's plan. Mm. Encourage them, you know, for like a week or so, like, oh, we came off social media. Don't go to social media because it's making you feel a certain kind of way. You know, because I, I when she was in it, I was just watching her become angry. And nothing that I could say was really helping. Then I, I went to God and God, how do you deal with this? And so let's pull them out of social media. And they got off the social media and everything. And we began to pray and get into God's word for mm -hmm. a week. We did that for about like a week, I believe. Mm -hmm. And that began to soften that heart. You know? So right there, I want to say to any of you, um, if you're having an issue with going on with in, the, in society right now, whether it's political or if it's racial, and you're just engulfed in, in Fox News, CNN, uh, and all of those in social media, take a week off and just read God's word for a week. Amen. Amen. 
I challenge you to do that. Read God's word for a week. And if you read God's word for a week and pray for a week, do it one week. I guarantee you will feel better and you will have a better insight because God's words doesn't say any of this. I, don't, I mean, God, I mean, and, 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 and then some, and then God forgive us as a church because the church is not perfect, right? And so you, you get on social media and you may even hear some, some preachers say things that's contrary to God's word. So let's cut it out for a minute. Get to God for yourself. And that will help. So another thing, um, another tough thing that I'm hearing within um, um, in the African American community is that African American men are 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 concerned about policemen. That's an issue. That that's 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 an honest answer. I'm not saying that policemen are we don't need policemen. Don't hear me out. He asked, the question is, what are, what's going on in the community? He didn't ask me, did we need policemen or not? But if you want to know, I believe we need policemen. When a policeman does his job right, we need them. All right? Um, but that's an issue in a home. That's the issues I'm having to have talks with my son and teach them how to, how to respond when they're pulled over. You know? My daughters and stuff. How do you respond if you're pulled over? Um, so that's real conversations that we're having. Mm-hmm. You know, it's real time. Um, I shared in the first service. Um, I, told, I said that I've been pulled over a lot, and I said, like, let me let me correct this and make it sound right. <laughs> um, but in my life, I've had a number of speeding yeah, tickets. Yeah, you said sometimes it's because you should have been. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, oh, no. Right? No. Yeah, because I've had speeding tickets before, and sometimes I sped like any of us. Right? Not not too bad, but. Um, I mean, before 2020, when I was pulled over by a policeman, the policeman would always come up to the driver's side and say, um, hello, sir, um, can I have your license and registration? And then he explained to me why he pulled me over. You know, I pulled you over because you were speeding or you ran a stop sign, something like that, you know. Um, and I never felt, I never felt that way. But this year... Um, I was going home one day from work after days of work, and I at the red light, and I, I was over the median, the white part there. So um, the sun was in my eyes. I pulled over. I couldn't see exactly where I stopped. But anyway, they had been having a lot of accidents at that spot, so the policeman was right next to me, so he, he pulls me over. At that time, I didn't realize that I was over the line, and so he pulls me over. And when he pulls me over, I had an experience that I never had with the policeman. And I understand that they've been trained a certain kind of way and all of this stuff, but this experience was different for me because if they had been trained that way, why didn't they do it before? Mm-hmm. You know, the other times I got pulled over, I never had this happen. Mm-hmm. The policeman got out, immediately grabbed his gun. And so immediately I'm like, what, what, I didn't do anything for the gun to be pulled out on me. Mm-hmm. You know, so my anxiety level starts to go up and he searches all over my car everything he's looking in the back window and then he doesn't come to the driver's side like what I'm used to when I've been pulled over he comes over on the passenger side and to make it even worse he's like reaching back and knocking on the window and having me to roll the window down and I'm like why is this guy so has you know why is there so much anxiety right here Mm -hmm. and so he has his gun and and then he starts so it started saying asking me what's normally asked, can I have your license or registration? The questions are, where are you coming from? Where are you going? I'm coming from work. Where do you work at? And he's still looking at my car, and then he's like, do you have a gun in your car? 
Then he asked for my license and registration. That was like, whoa. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, but, you know, I stayed calm. Holy Spirit said stay calm. I didn't get upset. Mm -hmm. But I could feel his anxiety, and I could feel my anxiety levels up. Mm -hmm. So when I go back to work the next day, I talked to one of my coworkers at, at Prince, and he's a white guy, and I explained it because I needed to talk to somebody. This is interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I needed to talk to a white guy that I felt like I could understand or just hear me out. So when I explained to him what was going on, because I don't own a gun and, and, and that's my choice, that's my right. I'm not saying anybody that owns a gun is doing anything wrong, but I don't own guns. So when I explained to him what, what happened and I told him the guy asked me about the gun in the car, I'm assuming that because people carry guns now, the policeman asked that now because that's the thing. He's, but his response to me was no. He said, I have guns, Jonathan. And he says that he shouldn't have been asking you for a gun. He could look at your license tag and see if, you, if you're registered for a gun. Mm -hmm. So, and I didn't know that, but they should be able to pull that up from the, the license plate and tell you if you're registered for a gun. So that experience, that experience, I had my own personal experience. Yeah. So I left that experience. I got home, told my wife, hey, babe, I'm glad I made it home. Mm -hmm. If I would have got into my flesh, if I'd have mm -hmm. been angry, if I wouldn't have did God's way, because I did yeah. it God's way. That's good. Even though I felt like I was being offended, I still love. Mm. I still respect. Mm. And so I made it home. And so when I got home, hugged my wife, hey, I made it home today. And that, thing, and it, and that situation kind of shook me up. Um, but what I did also tell my wife was this. I said, babe, I'm not upset with the policeman. Mm. It's not his fault. It's where our world is right now. That's the truth about the matter. You know, they, we deal with the facts. The policemen have pulled over some African-Americans and they had guns or whatever. They fought and shot. But not only African-Americans, but whites as well. This happens with everybody. It's not just an African-American thing with crime. But where our world is right now and the temperature of our culture and our society caused this policeman also to be nervous. He's putting over a professional. I mean... And even at that, I mean, and not saying if you even pull somebody that's over that's not a professional, that is right. But it was nothing about me that looks like me like I'm doing something extra. Right. Or just something that's um, a crime or anything like that. So he pulls me over. And so that's the experience. So we're having those experiences. So you have the, our stuff with our family. We have things when it comes down to, to policemen. Um, and then on top of that, you know, the children are saying, where is the church? Not only are the children saying that, adults are saying, where's the church? And when they say that question, when they ask that question, they're not talking about or referring to the African-American church. They're talking about our Caucasian brothers and sisters that should be in the Lord. Can, where are they? Are they going to stand up with us? Are they going to save God's way? Are they going to make us, you know, those are questions that have been asked. So, um, so in, in the homes of an African-American, I'm pretty sure there are other African-Americans in here today that could probably say a lot of other things that the way they feel or some things that they have experienced. But it is different. It, it, it is different. Those, I, I don't know how many Caucasians have to have these conversations um, in, in their homes. So that's what's going on. Well, not as much, for sure. Right. And I think um, I'll go out on a limb because in, in the first service there was a question. We didn't get to address it, but... It was, it was asking about this term white privilege, and, and it was implied that there is no white privilege. And there is. It doesn't mean it's wrong to be white and, and vice versa, but there is white privilege. And, it, and it's the, I don't have to, I didn't have to have that conversation with my sons. 
when they got their license. Um, and I was listening to that thing on YouTube, the guy, uh, Difficult Conversations with a Black Man, and it's very educational. I don't agree with everything on it, but um, it's been very helpful for me. And he talked about how when he is in an elevator, if, if there's a white woman on the elevator, he makes sure that he gets off the elevator ahead of her. And first I'm thinking, that's kind of rude. Well, it's because if, if he's behind her, she will be uncomfortable. So he makes sure he's not behind her, but he's ahead of her. I would never have to think about that. That's white privilege. Again, it doesn't mean it's, it's, it's bad. It just is what it is. Um, there's privileges that come with any culture, especially when you're in the majority culture. And so that's something we need to be aware of, which leads into my next question. Mm -hmm. Are we ready to go? You want to go to history? Yes. Okay. Did you have anything else on the other one? Um, no, no. I, don't. Okay. I think I'm good. So one of the questions that was given during the week, because I invited you guys to email some, is what is the value of history, knowing history, learning from history? Because I shared last week that, that there was an African-American woman that said that there's certain movies she just can't watch because it sends her down a trail that just not, isn't spiritually healthy. And so I think this is a good topic of where, what's the, where is it healthy to, to know and learn from history. And I think as a white person, it's very helpful for me mm -hmm. to learn about the history of our country, learn about the horrible things we've done. Praise God we've made progress, but we have more progress to make. You know, and, and I think it's especially important for those in their 20s and 30s this hasn't been that long ago. I mean, when I was in fifth grade, there was still segregated schools. My mom taught in an all-black high school. <laughs> mm. And so we think, you know, that was way back then, you know, and I didn't own slaves. And so why do you keep bringing up slavery? Well, because it's important to know where our country was and how it put many blacks at a disadvantage in that difficult conversation with a black man. He talks about you know, we don't all start at the same place on the track. And I know some whites will say, well, everybody has the same, you know, everybody has every opportunity in, in 2020. Uh, in some cases. But look at how slavery and Jim Crow laws and all that stuff affected the African American in this country. And, and there's a lot of catching up. It, 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 it's generational sins that have had impact. It's important to know our history so that we learn from it, repent of it where we can, and not repeat it. Amen. And in the same way, um, you know, with, with um, the, like one of the things I've always been intrigued about is why are there black churches and white churches? What's the history? What's the roots of that? And so I studied it, and I learned, and it was painful to learn this, but it was helpful to learn this, that after slavery, white churches that even allowed blacks which weren't many, but those that did, the blacks had to sit in the back, they had to sit in the balcony, and this went for so long that finally they said, heck with this, yeah. we're going to go and start our own churches, because we, it's not right that we have to feel like second-class Christians in these churches. Right. So that is, that's guilt, that is, the, the white Christians did that, and it's horrible, and it's painful to learn about, but it helped enlighten me as to why there are black and white churches today. And it makes me more committed to be a church where that's not true. Amen. 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 That's good stuff, Pastor. But, I mean, 
if you ever, I mean, like, took any counseling classes or whatever, and like what I did in my education, what they do, they teach you to go to the back, the history. You need to know where you've been. Because hmm. some of the things that's holding you bondage right now, or some of the things that are affecting you, has a lot to do with what happened in the past. You know, and so we're all a product of our past. We're a product of it, yes. And so, I mean, there's some positive things, and there are some negative things there too. But as a people, if we take time to educate ourselves together, we can see where we messed up at, and we can also see where we can correct those issues. Um, so, understanding the past, it doesn't mean that you did it. Mm-hmm. Even though Pastor felt bad about that, and I told Pastor, I said, "Man, look, Pastor, I understand that, and you want to." And there's a scripture, and I can't remember where it is right now, but we should uh, repent for the sins of our forefathers. Yeah, Exodus 20. Yeah, so it talks and about Nehemiah and the the corporate confession we did during the solemn assembly. Right. So it's a lot of those, right? And so, so we we I understand that part of it, but he didn't him he he didn't do it himself. But to understand that, so I commend Pastor. Like he saw the books he had last Sunday. I don't know if you were here last Sunday, but it might have been 10 books um, on just understanding African-Americans because it's not taught in the schools. That's just a fact. It's not. It's not. You get one month in February, and they call it Black History Month, and then we move on past it. So it's not. So if we don't be intentional, like we talked about earlier in these interpersonal relationships, if we're not intentional to go about learning these things on our own and educating our children about these things, we would never know them. And making sure that, again, it's filtered through Scripture. And it's filtered through Scripture, of you know, course. Philippians 4, whatsoever is true and right and of good reputation, and that's what you let your mind dwell on. And so it's not, and, and I've loved what you've said, that, that knowing African-American history you, you, you don't st- you, you don't stay in that and be bitter about that. Exactly. Again, you, you move beyond that, but but it is important to know this stuff. And you shared in the first service the Hosea verse. What was that one yeah, about? Yeah, um, how we are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. So it's a scripture, right? So if we don't take the time to understand things and get to know things, get to know people, then we don't grow. I mean, it's even... The, I'm, I'm going to even, like... Trump it a little bit more because, I mean, in school you learn American history, right? We learn all those things and all that. But when you spend time in, in, a, in a relationship with somebody and spend time in a community of people, you learn even more than the books can ever teach you. And so it's easy for us to go into our own corners, right? That's the natural thing to do. When I taught at the international school before I started teaching here, it was 17 different nations. So at lunch... The Chinese would sit one way, Koreans sit in one section, the Russians sit in one section, the Africans sat over here, the Indians would sit here. But it was just mixed up all over the place. And so as a teacher, I would go in and sit at everybody's table, spend a little time here, spend a little time there, and then encourage the kids to get to know each other because it's, it's easy to go to your own corners. But if we take the time to sit, and, and let me tell you something, we learn so much about each other in classes. You know, oh, my goodness. And I would just ask, like, good questions, um, like, that's like everyday questions. How did your parents, like, when you got in trouble, what did your parents do? That's different all over. You know? You know? Who, you know, in your house, um, um, who, who cooks and stuff like that? What's your favorite foods and all of that? And we just learn, and we make so many relationships that are lifelong relationships now. 
just by doing that. So that goes with everything with the history and the education because you don't just need it in all, all, you don't get everything from a book. You're going to get it from getting to spend time with people, actually spending time with people, being in that community. You know, I was 20 years old. I told you I was 20 years old before I ever went to a white person's house. So imagine if we spent time earlier, I, I could have a better understanding. And they'd better have a better understanding than me if we approach it with that mindset. All right, let me do one more, and then we'll, uh, if there's been any text questions that uh, Jimmy, I think, wants to bring forth, you can do that, so be, be ready. Um, how can we live this out better? How can we be a better kingdom church in this area? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I just think that it's, if everybody's been understanding. You know, we talk about sensitivity, and like you hear that a lot. Oh, why, why, you know, because I, I mean, I, I talk to my students at school. Why is it so sensitive? Why can't we do this and do that? You know, if we say one thing is, no, I think that it's more, it's not just that people just want to be uh, sensitive or petted like babies. We want understanding. Mm-hmm. On both sides, there needs to be some understanding. And patience, but I mean, we want to feel understood. We want to feel like you hear, like you, like there's a, a sense of concern. Mm-hmm. No, not just like, oh, that's whatever. Like Pastor said earlier, oh, it's, everybody can do what they do. It's 2020. What are you talking about? It's not like that. Boom, boom, boom. It's over with. No, it's not. And then you can just look at the facts, and they will prove you. It's just not that way yet. And so the thing is, we can do as a church. I think we can be understanding, um, have open perspective. You know, be open to things like different music. Mm. It's a big thing. You know, um, somebody sent Pastor and I um, this week, they sent us an email, um, and the email was talking about the issues that that the minorities deal with when they come to a, a church that that um, that's majority white. They said that they have to give up a lot of the things that they want mm. in order to make it work. And one of the things is music. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we're doing a gospel song today after this. But when we were in rehearsal, I was the only person that knew the song. Mm-hmm. It's nothing personal. Yeah. It's facts. Yeah. All right? It's just the world that we live in. So please don't take this personal. Mm-hmm. It's facts. And so, you know, we have to give up music styles. You know, we were talking about the history earlier. You know, when I grew up, we had devotional service. As a little kid, I grew up. Let me tell you something about devotional service. Devotional service is off the chain. You know what I mean? Somebody get up, just like you got up today and people give testimonies. We had testimonial service and devotional all in one. And they get up and say, first, I'm giving unto God who's the head of my life. That's how it always started. And everybody will say that, the same thing, you know. But then somebody would sing a song. So when that person sings a song, the musicians didn't know the music. All right? we didn't, everybody gave us a set list for that day. No one gave us that. So that person started to sing the song. So as a band, we learned how to play by ear. So you had to pick it up. Boom, boom. Then somebody else on the other side of the church would start singing. Then somebody else would start to sing. And we'd have the best time. <laughs> oh, man, it was our time. Come on, come on. Now, we had a good time. You know, we would have a good time and doing it. It was just free. It was just an awesome time of church. And, you know, and so, um, so that's what we grew up with. So now when I come here, so I'm showing you, uh, um, so this is one thing that we need to do as a church is to be understanding of both sides. And that's when I say open in perspective, because when we have to do our music um, here at the church and everybody has to read a chart, uh, they have to know how many times we're going to do this that way, how many times we're going to do it that way. 
for me, it's like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm like, what? You know, you just put me in bondage. You know, you might say, Kilgore, you in bondage when you up there worshiping? I couldn't tell. But, you know, you know but, so, so, but I'm giving and I'm willing to help. But at the same time, the team is like, okay, let's learn some more stuff. So we just started. We're just three months into this. So we're going to learn some more things and we're going to learn to stretch. But in any relationship, it takes both. And I feel like as a church, if we have an open perspective to other styles, Amen. to other ways of doing things, even the Y'all way we Y'all okay style. with that? Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> They're affirming it. All right. We're going to do it. Love we're gonna it. Do it. We're going to do it. So I think that's good. And I think this, I'm going to say this and we're going to go to the questions. I think if you do it all one way, it's okay really not that good. Mm. And if you do it all the other way, it's not. Because if you had a meal and all you put was salt, man, that thing, that's not going to be right. I'm telling you. But if you add a little pepper with that steak, salt and pepper, then we can eat. You know what I mean? <laughs> we can have a good time. And so, so, so salt, pepper. Salt and salt. pepper. That's it. That, for real. David, salt Jonathan. And, boom. <laughs> salt and pepper. And be, it's better when it's done that way. When we come together, and then let me tell you something from my Asian brothers and sisters, too. We need that, too, because we need a little garlic, and we need a little <laughs> onion. You know what I mean? You put all that together, man, and you're really eating good. It, yeah. it, it gets a lot better, right? And so that's what we're going to be in the body of Christ. I think there's at least a million ways to worship God. A million ways, at least. I'd like to experience a couple thousand here on At least, At least before I leave here. At least a yeah. couple thousand. Yes. All right. We have any uh, constructive questions, Jimmy? <laughs> We got a lot of questions. Uh, I'm bet. sure we do. We're going to be sure. busy the rest of this week Woo. answering the ones that we can't today. Yeah. Uh, this goes back to earlier in the service about uh, talk about forgiveness, which I think is a real key to this whole issue. Mm-hmm. If you'd allow me, I'd like to respond to it. Okay. Uh, how can I say or maybe even feel like I have forgiven, but I can't let it go? Uh, if something out of the way happens, I bring up what had happened in the past, but yet I said I had forgiven. Now can I truly forgive and let it go? May I respond to that? Uh, does everybody know who Corey Ten Boom is? Okay, she made a statement after having spent several years in uh, Auschwitz-Birkenau uh, in concentration camp of World War II. She said, Forgiveness does not reside in the emotions. It resides in the will. And one of the silliest things we've ever told people to do is to forgive and forget. Mm-hmm. Forgetting is a physical impossibility, especially when something has wounded you severely. So throw out the, uh, the concept of getting over it. What you're saying is forget about it, and it just won't happen. And one of the main reasons it won't happen is that your enemy will continually remind you of how you were hurt so that he can drive you into bitterness. Uh, Forgiveness is a daily, uh, I think Jonathan said it well, forgiveness is a way of life. Uh, You cannot go one day and embrace bitterness. It will eat you alive. And according to Matthew 18, I believe it's the widest door we can swing open for demonic harassment. Wow. Whoa. That's good. That's good, Jim. Uh, So keep forgiving. Yes. (laughs) It's it's forgiveness that sets you free. Yeah, that's good. It's in the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
another one. I've got about 10,000 on my phone. <laughs> uh, We're going to get paid overtime this week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How can individuals find healing from racial traumas, rejection, and abuse as they forgive? Can you ask that, ask that one more time? Yeah, uh, it's one thing to forgive. I'm trying to paraphrase. Okay. Uh, how can individuals find healing from racial traumas, uh, rejection, and abuse as they forgive? Okay, wow. Good question. Good question. And um, I think that um, the way that you find healing from it is to actually, to actually exercise God's way of doing things. So, example, pastor's hurt me. He's hurt me dearly, all right? And, I mean, I, and this is a, more of an interpersonal. If he did something racially toward me, he made a comment toward me and everything. Now, what I could do, I, I could just keep coming around every day and never say anything about it. Thank you. Good. Be real fake. And every day, and not say anything about it. But when I go to him, God's way, like it says in Matthew, if you have an alt against your brother, you go to your brother. And I go to him and I say, Pastor, that hurt me. It hurt me dearly what you said. Now, that's the starting process of that healing. Mm -hmm. And forgiving. Because, you know, and based on, preferably he responds like, I apologize, you know, how can I make this better? And then in that relationship, as we continue to love each other, as I continue to come and talk and be open with him and build that trust again. Because a lot of times when you're hurt, what happens is it's that, that trust is lost. That's what happens. And trust, I mean, you know, I'm going to go back to what Jimmy said. God did command us to forgive. But trusting the person, you have to earn my trust. That's right. Mm -hmm. And see, when you lose it, I understand that it's, it, takes it takes a while to rebuild it. Yeah. So if I'm hurt, I'm understanding this process. It's going to take a little time. But I'm not, I'm not like laying, laying around in my hurt and just crying in my hurt. I'm understanding of this is going to take time for him to win my trust. And, we, and, and I let him know that. So I do it God's way. And I think whenever we do God, things God's way, if we've been hurt. Because the problem is we don't do it God's way. And he promises, like another principle is James 5, pray for one another and that you may be healed. Yes. So yes. the principle of prayer, getting prayer ministry, like we do here with Rachel and others. Man, now, 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 Pastor, you just hit the home run as if we went right out of the park. Because let me tell you something. If you are having bitterness towards somebody, the best healing recipe is prayer. If you really want it. Mm -hmm. If you start praying for somebody, if Pastor heard me, I said, God, you know, Pastor heard me, but God, I'm going to pray for his family today. I pray you bless his wife. I pray you bless, it, bless his finances. God bless his ministry, everything that he does. Let him be safe today. I mean, and tears will be rolling down your face while you're praying for this person. Because you're so mad, but you're really praying. But, man, that's, but why you, what, what the tears represent, though, is the release. Yeah, that's right. Healing. It, resists, it represents the healing. So you're doing it God's way, and you're praying for that person, and you really call that person names. So right now, I mean, African-Americans, I can say, well, we, we pray if you feel like you've been hurt, pray for that person. Because understand this, I'm telling you, I mean, and it's been going, it's a circle, and it's been going around. If you do your history study, it's, it's been going around. Not before, not, I won't even want to go since, since our time, but even in biblical times. But it's been the same thing over and over and over and over. 
you see this cycle. So people are march. You know, oh, this history is so good. When they march with Martin Luther King, and when they march, what, they, what they're marching for, they're marching so we can have meetings like this. This is what they're marching for. Yeah. So that, that's part of it because the, the Jim Crow law was always built on blacks being suffering, yep. right? Yep. So, so, so they march and they march and they march. But now we need to take it to the next level. Because now we can sit here and have these conversations like this and nobody's going to come lock us up. Mm-hmm. We can go sit at the restaurants and everything. I can go sit at a white person's house. They can come sit at my house and it's all good. So now we take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And those relationships, that's what's going to, I'm telling you, that's what's going to really cause the walls yeah. to fall down. Because when, if you study Jesus' yeah. way, it was in the relationships. Amen. Amen. That's good. That's good. All right, one more. And then worship team, go ahead and come on up. Was there a one more, Jimmy? Uh, the, yeah. <laughs> he says a lot more. <laughs> There's about 50 more. Uh, this how, is, I think we struck a nerve. Brother. I know it. <laughs> how should we approach a conversation with someone who seems to dislike everyone like me? Ooh, gosh. Pray Art. for him. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, if you want to approach a conversation with someone that seems to dislike everyone like you, you need to pray before you go into that conversation. Mm-hmm. If you know that person has that issue, because understand, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual issue. Now, at the end of the day, guys, because this is the devil, he really wanted, he never really wanted us to be together. That's the fact. Because so, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. So I'm going to pray before I go to that person. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me. I'm not just going to come in one day after work and just go to talking. No, no, no. I go when Holy Spirit tells me to go. I hope I go. I ask God to open the door and make an opportunity so we can have this conversation, so we can start talking. And if you if you're led by God in it, it'll work. I'm telling you, that it, 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 God never fails. Amen. He never fails. Yeah, that's good. He's never failed. That's right. He's an all-time champion. He's the winner. <laughs> yes, sir. He holds all titles. And if you go His way, you always win. So this song that we're about to do really is what we're, if, if we all pray this, and it's, God, have your way. I give my life to you. Some of you in the room, some of you watching online, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Do it now. Receive him. Open your heart. Say, God, come in and take control of my life. I want to be saved, born again, forgiven. This is the way. It's through the cross. And all of us that are God's people, we need to surrender afresh today. Maybe there's somebody you need to forgive. It may not be about the race issue. It may be your spouse. It may be somebody who abused you. Don't carry that baggage of bitterness. And so we really want this song to be a prayer a heart response. And um, I'm going to be the first to kneel down at this altar because I want to say what this song says. So powerful. You know, I thank God for um, so many things. And I thank God for my wife who came today. Y'all give her a hand. She just came out today. Stand up, Ayana. Come on. Stand up, Ayana. We love you. But she texts me and says, um, Hey, hey, remind the people that along with doing it God's way, don't forget about the counsel. 
Some of this stuff is so deeply rooted in us that we do need godly counsel. And so the, to even go to counseling is a step for so many people. I mean, it's so huge to say, okay, I'm going to go to get counsel. Yeah. I mean, even for your marriage, some of the guys, like, the wives are saying, baby, I want to go I want to go to help. I want to go to counseling. I don't want to do that, baby. No, no, I don't want to do that. Or vice versa. You're saying, but that counseling is such a big wing of it. Yeah. And so today, as we approach this song, and we're going God's way, because it says I give myself away for God's way, right? So this is the start yeah. of a new life. Yeah. It's a start of a new way. It's a recommitment to God's way. It's like doing it. Thank you, baby girl. That's my baby girl right here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, but this today, we can't, I encourage you, not to, for us to have this conversation, not for us to talk, because I know there's a ton of questions. I know, and when he said, when we had this conversation, I said, Pastor, if we open the floor, we won't get out of service. Because we'll be there all day, because there's so many questions concerning this. But one question, one thing that Pastor and I had that we didn't talk about, talk about was our identity. And who, are, who we are in Christ. And, say, and knowing that. But oftentimes we hear it in church. We've heard the pastor say it. We've read it. We'll sit in a service just like this. But we'll leave out the same way we came in. And we really won't take on what God said. If we're really going to believe, if we're gonna, are we going to believe it or not? It's a faith issue. Are we really going to believe we're in God's kingdom? Are you really, do you really believe that God has a kingdom, he has a way, and that we have a way, that we, if we follow his way, if we follow his way, do you really believe it? Come on, somebody. Do you really believe it is his way? Don't, we can't leave out of here like this. This church is this church is so amazing and so awesome and so many loving people here. And I want to love you and I don't want you to feel like you have to be on eggshells around me. I want you to talk to me. I want to love you back. I want us to spend time. And I don't want you to feel that way about anybody in the church. But it starts doing it God's way. So today as we sing this song, if you want to kneel, you want to come to the altar, you want to stand, Wherever you are, it starts right here. Today, God wants to do something amazing in your life. And I'd like to have the prayer team. If the prayer team people could be along the sides and corners near the corner of the stage, just to be available to pray with anybody who would like to. This is a very important time in service. Do not be like so religious and like we just come to church, this is happy, blah, blah, blah. No, God really wants to do something today. For us, to, for the pastor to say we're going to have this conversation and God impress it on his heart for him to put, push his preaching sermon back to do this. God wants fruit today. And there's a blessing for you today. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to sit right here and play my sax a little bit. We're going to sing. I mean, we're going to go before the Lord. However you want to go before God, you can go today. 